Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So we're going to start this series off today on miracles, and I'm going to uh, share with you something. I just had this on my heart um, because I felt like, you know, if we talk about miracles, if we talk about things, most of the time when we think of miracles, we think in terms of uh, what do I get from God? What can God give me? How can God help me? That's typically what we think, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, not anything at all wrong with that because God is a a miracle-working God. He wants to bless. He wants to help. Um, But the thing about miracles is, I think sometimes we overlook the greatest miracle of all. Before I ever talk about anything else and any other miracle that you could think about in the Bible, I think sometimes we have, over, we have overlooked because of just like in the Hispanic culture, there is a lot of Catholicism. In our culture, there's a lot of in Rome. Well, I know that. I've heard that. I'm saved. Mama taught me that. I've been in church all my life. None of those things matter if it's just verbal expression of something that's not real. And in Rome, I'm just going to open it up a little bit like we don't already know what's going on. So let's just be open with ourselves about it. Don't hide from the fact that's around us. But so many people tell me that I'm a Christian. And so I say, that's great. Where do you go to church? Well, I mean, you know, I just I don't believe in organized religion. Or, I've heard that was a big one I've heard. Or, well, I've just been hurt so many times. Or, it's like, well, I just can't find a church. I've been here 20 years and I ain't found a church. No, no, no. That ain't the problem. The problem is, no, you don't want to be under anything that might tell you what you need to change in your life. That's the problem. That is the problem. It's not the pastor. It's not the church. It ain't the worship. It's because flesh says, I don't want it, so I won't do it. And in Rome, it is everywhere, man. Everywhere. So except for you guys, because you are here, right? You know, you came to church. You're like, yeah, no, I mean, so you'd be happy, right? But it's predominantly, that's the thing. We don't deal with a lot of other issues. That's a big issue here, man. It's a big issue. And I think it's because maybe it's overlooked or we've taken it for granted. We have overlooked the major, the most important miracle of all, and that is the salvation that we have been given through Jesus Christ. Not just the salvation, though. And if I say that to you and you think, oh, man, I thought we was going to learn about miracles today. You might want to check yourself right there because there is no greater gift from God than to be redeemed from your sins. Not anything. I don't care. Thank God for healings. Thank God for miracles. Thank God for coming through and breakthroughs and helping you with your finances and whatever else, your dog, your cat, well, maybe not the cat, but your dog, your goldfish, whatever your kids pray for, that's fantastic. But you know what? If it weren't for Jesus, if it weren't for the salvation and the gospel of Jesus Christ, Not anything else would matter. Who cares if you get your needs met, if you don't get the salvation that comes from God? If you can't get free from sin, what does it matter if you have all your needs met? So I want to talk to you a little bit about salvation, but predominantly I'm going to talk a little bit more about baptisms today. And the reason I want to talk about baptisms is because it kind of hit me the last couple of weeks. Pastor Vic and I were talking about this. It's an interesting thing. So he preached on baptisms last week. I already had this kind of stir in my heart, and he and I were talking about it. While we were in Dallas, we were kind of talking about some stuff and listening to some things from uh, some of our overseers there. And as we were talking, he said, man, I just, you know, Pastor Jody, it just bothers me about water baptism and how many people don't take it, you know, serious. And I was like, you know, I said, well, what? 
tell me what you're, what are you thinking? And so he told me his background of what's going on. And where. I said, well, let me tell you this background from the gringo side. You know, this is what I deal with. And so we were talking, the more he talked about it, the baptism thing. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys that was speaking that day actually shared about the reasons why you ought to be water baptized. I thought, how cool is that? You know, God has a great way of confirming his word in many things, but I want to share a little bit with you about this day. I'm going to give you a little bit of my story and then share some things about baptism. And before you check out and think, oh, man, water baptism, I've done that before. Okay, good. Fantastic. If you haven't, though, maybe the Lord is touching your heart and saying you, you should. Because I think that might be the thing in which separates the talk about being a Christian and actually being a Christian. And you'll, you'll hear it in just a moment. But I was 10 years old when I got saved. 10 years old, man. No, I was just a little punk kid in the fifth grade, foul mouth, potty mouth. You know, you might think like, well, what could you really say in fifth grade? You must have forgotten. People surprised me today. They said, I can't believe this happening in the third grade. What? Where were you going to school at? Like what? Did, was you in a bubble? Like at the house? Mama wouldn't let you get outside or something? No, you, in the third grade, there's all kind of junk that goes on in the third grade. And by the fifth grade, you've heard it all, man. And so... I remember getting saved in the fifth grade because this, this girl in my classroom, she would not stop every single day. She kept on and kept on and kept on until finally I was like, listen, I'll go to church. If you just leave me alone, I'll go to your church. And they came and they picked me up, took me to their church. And in about three weeks, maybe five weeks, somewhere in there later, I kept going back because my buddies was going there too. We were going to church there. And all of a sudden, they asked me one night. You know, her mom said, Jody, just as serious as can be, man. Like, no, just no question. But have you, have you been saved? No. Because I knew what was coming next. Oh, man. Like, you know, I'm stuck. No. Well, would you like to ask Jesus into your heart? And I was sitting there thinking, you know what? I think I need to. And all of a sudden, this overwhelming, like, you know, love, this overwhelming sense of my life's about to change. I don't know why I'm saying yes to this, but I'm, I'm, I'm following this lady. Like, where are we going? She's like, let's go get the pastor. And so instead of just praying with me, she brought, interesting, she went and got the pastor and her. He made me get on my knee right there in front of his little study couch. And I'm sitting there, what am I doing? Like, you know? It's like getting into an Amway sales like thing at somebody's house. You don't know why you're there, but somehow you got there because they said it was free food. Anyway, so I'm there, man, and I'm I'm an, I still remember I still remember his facial expression and her. She's crying over here. He's over here to my left. Big old burly guy, six foot. He's a man's man. You know what I'm saying? He's a big old guy. Wore cowboy boots under his suit. You know, ain't no joke. Guy for real. Had no hair at the top, but you know what I'm saying? He was a big old burly guy. He's bawling his eyes out. And I'm thinking, why is he crying? Why is she crying? So he says, Jody, just close your eyes, son. Yes, sir. And as soon as I closed my eyes, I forgot about them. And then I start crying too. And I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 10. Now, I didn't know anything about, you know, what I was doing really. But it's a funny thing. They didn't let me go about a week, maybe two. And they said, now you need to be water baptized. Well, why? What is, what, I mean, why? Because. I didn't really ask any more questions. I just felt like, man, I just, I feel so different right now. I guess I should be water baptized. 
get water baptized. My family is there. Everybody shows up, man. Boom. Go in there, come back out. And I think, man, this is awesome. Like, wow. Like, why didn't they teach? I was thinking, why doesn't no one teach this at school? This is fantastic. You know, and then so years go on, and I really didn't really know a whole lot about the Lord, didn't know how to study, didn't really know how to follow the Lord. And so I strayed for a number of years, but then at the age of 20, funny thing was the Lord never, never left me. Even though I knew the things I were doing was wrong, what I got involved with was wrong, it finally hit me one day that no one else really, really cared for me like Jesus. That no one was ever going to be there for me like Jesus. That he was always, no matter what I went through, he would always be there. And I remember when I was 20, I was 20 years old, and the floor, my grandparents out of town, I was hanging out with some buddies I shouldn't have been hanging out with. I'd started hanging out with them months back and stuff. And I remember thinking, you know, these, these guys are good and all that kind of stuff. They were terrorists. None of my friends that, are, that you know, these are guys that I just had got. You know how you, that's why I tell my kids, listen, I don't care how saved you think you are. I don't care if you think you're spirit-filled, sanctified, double-filled, anointed, got the blessings of God in your Bible marked. I don't care what you've got. You hang out with the wrong people, bad company corrupts good character in the Bible. I don't care how strong you think. I'm just trying to witness to them. No, you're not. No, you're not. You'll be under the hocus-pocus there before long. So hang out with Christians, witness to people who are unbelievers, but don't spend all your time with them. They'll bring you down. They just will. But I remember at the age of 20 thinking, I got really sick that night, so sick. We was riding around the car. I was so sick. You ever feel like, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm dying. You know, I think I'm dying. It's, you're not, but you feel like I just need to because this is awful. You feel like you're just so, like, sick, you know. They didn't hire you, man, whatever. We'll just take you home. Okay, man, that'd be great. I thought they'd hang out. You know what they did? Open the door, let me out, and they left. And I thought to myself, now here I am. My grandparents are gone. They're not in town. I'm all alone by myself, and the thought hit me. The only person, the only reality I've ever experienced that I know who's there for, it's Jesus Christ. And so the same way I just remembered, well, when I was 10, I got on one knee. You know, I didn't have the big burly preacher with me. The lady wasn't beside me crying. But I knew enough to know that, you know what, this is what you do. So all I knew was I got down on, I figured one knee worked last time, I need two. So I got on both knees like this. I was so sick. And I just remember laying on the, con- on the tile floor going, Dear Jesus, if you will fix all this mess I've gotten into, I give you my life. Whatever you want, I'll do in Jesus' name. Something like that. Pretty simple. And I remember just falling asleep on the concrete floor, on the tile floor, because it's cold. I was so sick. The next day, I was better. Now, that's not a miracle. That's just, I think, something worked through my body. I don't know what that was. But my point is saying to you this is something between I was 10 and 20, it never left me this idea, this thought that Jesus Christ is the one who saves. You've been baptized in water. He's the one that will never leave you nor forsake you. And so I want to say this to us all right here and just hear my heart on this. When it's a real decision for Christ, when it's a real saying yes to him, it will change the course of your life. If it's wishy-washy, if it's like, oh, well, they did it, so I should do it, or I don't know, you know, if there's any wishy-washy, it's probably not a sincere decision. 
For me, it was sincere at 10, but I let people convince me of other things. But at 20, not been perfect by any means. But that cha- that was a defining moment. I've not, not went back. Now, not meaning that I'm not meaning I'm perfect. Please don't. You ask my wife later. I'm not perfect. I promise you. Ask my kids. I'm not perfect. It has to be work for me. I'm not perfect. I'm not. But this one thing I know is true. Something happens in salvation that will change your life. It changes the course of your life. And baptism is also a work of God's grace that is not to be overlooked as to saying, well, that's just optional. So I want you to hear the miracle then about baptism this morning. So what is a baptism? What does the word baptism mean? Let me put it on the screen for you. It just simply means this. It means to immerse. It means to submerge. It means of vessels that would be sunk, to make clean with water, or to overwhelm. So a ship is in the water, but it's not baptized until it sinks. The Titanic has been baptized. You know what I'm saying? Just letting you know, that's a, a, a ship on the water is not baptized. It's just floating. You know, Plato said this about all the questions. He says, I've been, in a sense, baptized with questions. I am overwhelmed by questions. All right, you think about it that way. Um, Dunkin' Donuts, if you will, it's a great name. Dunking a donut, baptizing a donut. I like to baptize chocolate chip cookies in milk. Submerge. You, I gotta, I, you feel the anointing right there, brother. I got you, I got you. There's some other people in here knew what I'm talking about. That's, it's, a, it's not a holy word, but it represents a very holy thing. You, to, you can baptize a donut. You can baptize a kid, man. You know what I'm saying? When they get a bath, go under. You got to wash your ears, go under. You know, hold them under for a minute, whatever. Like, you know, you got to wash them. You know what I'm saying? But you can baptize means to go all the way under. It means to be submerged. It's not a holy word, but it's associated with a holy thing. And so baptisms in Hebrews, I'm not going to get into all this right now because there's a lot of different baptisms in the Bible. There's, in Hebrews 6, it talks about this, that, man, that in the doctrine of simple things or elementary things in the Bible, one of the doctrines that it represents says that we should move on by now. We ought to have been teachers. In other words, Paul tells us this. By now, we should be teachers. But yet you have someone else to teach you the very principles or elementary truths of God. And in these categories, one of those categories is the, the doctrine of baptisms. There's numerous baptisms in the Bible. There's not just one. Water baptism is not the only baptism. I'm not going to get into all of those today. But I'm going to share with you primarily the ones on uh, baptism into the body of Christ and, and water baptism. But there are many others, okay? So let me give you a couple. Here's the first one. This is John's baptism. And I'm saying this because in my heart, maybe you're here and you've read your Bible and you th- you might not understand these things. And so therefore, I want to share with you so we can all know and understand what God is saying in his word. So Mark chapter 1, this is John's baptism. This is John the Baptist, okay? So in John, John's, what Mark says, Mark 1 verse 4, it says, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea was going out to him and all the people of Jerusalem, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River confessing their sins. Baptism of repentance. This is not salvation. This is the one that, you know, the Bible talks about John. John said, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. 
But he went out and he preached repentance. It kind of prepared the way for people. A repentance, a heart change, not necessarily through salvation, but, man, it was like a, man, we've got to, we got to change some things. We're going out and being baptized by John. I, I'm going to repent from some things. I'm going to turn my heart away from this, and I'm going to turn it towards God. And it wasn't salvation, but it was a baptism of repentance. This is why when he baptized people and Jesus approached him, he said, I, I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me. Because John's baptism wasn't salvation. It was simply a baptism of repentance. Another one, another type of baptism is this, the baptism into the body of Christ. Now, in Romans chapter 6, the Bible says this is referring to salvation. But in Romans chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that the grace of God might increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have, watched this, been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of his Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. So, Please understand this. You've been buried with him. You've been baptized into his death. A lot of people look at this as Christianity. They think, well, you know, I've just, I ask God to save me, and I think about, you know, the fact that he loves me, and I hope he saves me, and I just pray that God will forgive me. Wrong thought process. If you don't know this, as a believer, you have died. You've got to get that part. This is the part that I don't understand. Listen, I'll save you 10 years of agony right here, Okay? Because you'll flip-flop between, well, am I saved or am I not? I've made a mistake to this, so I feel bad about myself. Oh, man, I wish I hadn't done that. And you come back to church three weeks later hoping that God will forgive you. And then you go, oh, man, I messed up again. You come back four weeks later. Oh, man, it's just a vicious cycle of agony. But if you know this, that I've died with Christ, that I'm actually a dead man walking, if you will, that I no longer live... It's not me that live, but it's Christ that lives. How does he do that? Wait a minute. How can he be the one living in through me? It's because I died with him. The crucifixion that happened for Jesus, I had a same type experience in the fact that spiritually I died. And I was resurrected to life with Christ. And so my sin nature, the part of me that was born into this world, into sin, it says, why? He said, you must be born Again. And Nicodemus said, whoa, 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 time out, Jesus. How's that possible? How can you? And he's trying not to be graphic. You tell by the expressions of the words in the Bible. How are you supposed to go back? Go born again. He's being a very, he wasn't being sarcastic. He was literally had some serious questions about this. The reason he couldn't understand it because he was not born again. Because he's natural minded. But Jesus said, you've got to be born again. What does that mean? How can you be born again unless you die? So you died with Jesus Christ. And when Jesus was resurrected, you were baptized in his death. If you don't understand this, that you have died with Christ, you'll walk around this world thinking you're the one in control. You're not in control. I hate to tell you, as a Christian, you're not in, you're not in control at all. You're not in control, really, if you think about it. <laughs> not as a Christian, you're not in control. 
But when you come to Christ, you're buried with him in the baptism of death. And Jesus stayed there for three days and three nights. Let that sink in for a moment. No life. He's in the tomb. There wasn't any conversation between him and God. There wasn't like this, well, you know, send him an email, see how he's doing. Text him, see what's up. No, no, no. He was dead. No heartbeat. Flatlined for three days and for three nights. Then God, the Bible says, through the greatest demonstration of his power ever, he, watch this, he resurrected Christ. Some of the songs we, sh- we sing, you know, the earth is shaking, the rocks are moving, everything's happening. And he comes back to life. Think about this for a moment. You died with him, literally, spiritually. You have died with Christ. But when you got saved, it was not some like half, well, they'll get him into heaven kind of thing. He resurrected you the same way he resurrected Jesus. Spiritually, he resurrected you from the grave. You were baptized with him in death and resurrected with him in life. That's why when we water baptize, we say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Watch this, though. We go under the water. You know, like I heard somebody say, you know, if you're a difficult church member, we might leave you there for a minute. You know what I'm saying? Like, make sure it takes. No, 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 not, not yet, not yet. Okay, okay, we'll let you out now. <gasps> now, I want you to think about that. How long can you stay underwater before you have to come back up? Some of us, maybe three minutes. Maybe if you're really awesome, maybe four. If you say more than four, you're probably lying. But how long can you stay in the water before you have to go? <gasps> That's exactly what took place spiritually. You went under, you had no oxygen, no life or anything. You come back up <gasps> in the newness of life. That is the baptism in the body of Christ. Vine says it like this. Vine's expository dictionary. He says the word baptized means this. It would indicate that the word, the person that is baptized was closely bound to or became the property of the one in whose name that he was baptized. You became the property of God. And he intends for us to walk in this newness of life. And the third thing I want to get into is here is the, is the water baptism. So there's John's baptism of repentance. That's not salvation. There's the baptism into the body of Christ. That is salvation. Buried with him in death, resurrected with him in life. Then there's water baptism, which so many times Christians say is optional. But it's not. It's interesting because Matthew 3, listen to what verse 13 says. This is a story about Jesus. Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan coming to John to be baptized by him. Verse 14. But John tried to prevent him saying, I have need to be baptized by you and you come to me. But Jesus said to him, permit it at this time for this is the way it is fitting for all of us to fulfill all all righteousness. So then he permitted him. In verse 16, after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. He didn't descend. It wasn't a dove that descended. It was the Spirit of God that descended like a dove. And he says he, he, he lighted on him or it rested on him. And it says, uh, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus was water baptized. If Jesus needed to be water baptized, don't you think that we should all be water baptized. 
He goes, let me give you another one. Paul, this is Acts 9, verse 17. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you, and then I'll wrap this up. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. This is talking about Paul, the guy who wrote most of your New Testament. Just think about that. So Ananias, verse 17, <clears throat> departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight. And watch this. He got up and he was what? Baptized. This guy wrote more Bible than you. Just saying. He wrote more Bible than me. He wrote a lot in the New Testament. And he was water baptized. So Jesus was water baptized. Paul was water baptized. How about this one in Acts chapter 8? Verse 34. This is Philip the evangelist. Listen to what he says. He, come ac- he comes across this eunuch. And it says, verse 34, the eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me of whom does this prophet say this? He's riding down the road in his car and his chariot, and he's reading the Bible, but he doesn't understand it. So Philip comes along, and Philip says, well, I'll tell you what it says. Verse 35, so Philip opened his mouth, and in the beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. In verse 36, as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Now, why would he ask that? Because obviously... At some point in Philip's message, it must have been pretty important. Because you don't ask about something if it's not mentioned. Especially when you're a new believer. You don't know anything. You, Jody, you need to be water baptized. I do? Okay. I would not have known that had they not told me. This must have been a big deal. Apparently salvation wasn't enough. Not that that wouldn't get you to heaven. It'll get you to heaven all day long. But there's something about water baptism that Philip expressed so strongly that this eunuch now is like, what prevents me from being baptized? Verse 37, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In verse 38, and he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, and Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. Apparently, the disciples thought something about baptism a little bit differently than we have. Because I've always thought, and I've told people this before, I mean, I preached this years ago, but I never thought about when we talk about some things, we say, well, baptism is just the outward sign of an inward revelation. That's what we say a lot of times. And so, therefore, it sounds optional. Well, you know, if you want to, it's not, you know, not really necessary. This is a funny story right here, Matthew 28, 18. This is the Great Commission. This is what Jesus told all of us in here. If we're Christians, this is what he's told us and commanded us to do. So Matthew 28, 18, he says, And Jesus came up and he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, verse 19, and make disciples of all the nations. And the first thing that he lays out is to do what? Give them a Bible study. Isn't that something? If you look at Mark's gospel... The funny thing is miracles are mentioned in Mark. Matthew doesn't really get into the miracle side. Mark does. We'll talk about this later. But Mark says something like this. He says, he who believes will be saved. Who believes not will be condemned. But these signs will follow them that believe. Before they ever get into all the signs and the miracles, if you back up just to one verse, he says, he who is, who is saved, he who believes and is baptized. Now, baptism won't get you to heaven. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Because, like, if you're in a jet airplane and, like, you know, it's going down. What do we do? Well, you preach the gospel to whoever's on the plane. If you're going down, man, don't you scream to you like, I don't know what we're going to do. You're going to heaven in about five seconds. Let them know the gospel, man. You know what I'm saying? 
Preach it to them. Stand up there bold like we're going out here in a blaze of glory like Bon Jovi, man. Come on. Listen, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Get saved right now. How do you do? You say, Jesus, I commit my life to you super fast. Let's go. Because you're going to heaven, man. But what if you don't get baptized? It's all right. You're going to make it to heaven. But discipleship, lordship, if Jesus is Lord, then water baptism is the very first step to lordship with Jesus. And I'll explain that to you here in just a moment. He says this, you teach them, verse 20, to observe all that I've commanded you, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. If so the, Think about this. If Jesus instructed us to baptize people, then that begs the statement that we obviously need to be baptized first. And it's not, it's not the preacher's job to do all the baptizing. It's the disciple's job. So like if you're a disciple, if you've been baptized, if, you, if you're a disciple of Christ, then guess what? If you get someone saved out in Rome, Georgia, and you're near the fountains, I don't know if they would arrest you, but maybe I shouldn't say you should do this. You'd be led of the Lord, but there's a river, you know. Whatever you, you have the power within you as a disciple of Christ. You don't have to wait to get to church. You don't have to wait to ask a minister of the gospel to do this. As a disciple, guess what you can do? They got saved. Hey, hang on. We're, we got to find some water. What are you talking about? I know somebody's got a pool. Let's go. What do you mean, let's go? Where are we going? You've got to get water baptized. But why? Why do we need to be water baptized? Because water baptism is also a work of God's grace. So listen to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11, and I'll, I want you to hear the importance of water baptism. Colossians 2.11 says, And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, that's a mouthful to say all that. But just, just hear me out a minute. Verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. But he says, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Now in the Old Testament, you've read about this, you've probably heard about this. But they were circumcised. Abraham, all of his guys, the people there, many times over and over, they were circumcised. The men were. They were circumcised. It was a part of the covenant stamp of God. But most of the time we think about this, we go like, ah, what's the big deal? Why were they circumcised? What's the big point in all that? You know. Well, <clears throat> when you think about this, it wasn't something that was taken lightly. You know? It's a pretty serious decision to make. Yeah, okay. I mean, you think about it, if you're Abraham, David, all these guys. You know, we do what? Like, you know, all the Gentiles who came to Christ after Jesus' resurrection, you know, I bet they were some excited people. Like, so that's old now? That's, we get water baptized now? Sign me up, bro. Like, because just a week ago, it was sounding pretty rough. Now, I'm all in, baby. I'm all in. So you understand it was a serious decision. You just didn't say, okay, I will become a Jew or I will submit to the Judeo law. I will. You just didn't just say, yeah, I think I'll join today. Oh, they had a conversation with you. 
Okay, you want to join? Number one, you got to be circumcised. Huh? Is that optional? Can I like give a little extra to kill? You know, what if I give some more denaro? <laughs> Would that help? Without you know, no. Sorry, you have to be circumcised. Tell you what, me and my wife need to pray about it. <laughs> Get back to you next week. Let's go try the other church. I don't think they do this there, you know. But what's the point of being, sir, why, why, is the, why does he make this statement here? And what does it have to do with you? Because the circumcision in the Old Testament was a circumcision of flesh. I'm not trying to be graphic, but in a sense, in just to understand the whole idea of why it's done today in most of our nation here now, it's pretty much done. Most of it's done for cleanliness, right? That's the main reason for that. But it was a mark. God was saying one of the most sensitive areas, most sensitive area of the male anatomy, right, is this area. And so I'm going to mark you as mine. You're going to be mine. And so that you would never forget this, you have been marked that you're his. So he says, you've been circumcised now. And listen, ladies, it's for you too. It's not, it's not a, in our, there is no male nor female in God, right? You understand what I'm saying? There's, when you get to heaven, there is no male nor female in a sense. We are Spirit beings. And what he's saying is you have been circumcised as well in Christ. Not with a circumcision made by hands, but in the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. The removal of the body of flesh. It's interesting when you think about this. There's this cutting away in the Old Testament of flesh. And everything about the Old Covenant represents something in the New. It's amazing how we never really talk about this, but there is a cutting away of the flesh in the New. And you get saved, yes, and you get resurrected in Christ, yes, and you're going to heaven, absolutely. But you know what most people say that talk to me as Christians? They've struggled, they're frustrated, because why? Because they can't stop something. This thing keeps overwhelming them. I can't quit this, or I can't... And you know what I've done as a pastor? I've said, well, you know, you need to read this book. Oh, maybe if you do that, or maybe let me pray for you, anoint you with oil. Man, I do all my bag of tricks. I got everything I try. But then I find out later, because my assumption is that everybody else, and please hear me today, this is our, all of our assumptions is everyone else has the same experiences as we do. That someone came across by you, and after you prayed with one knee, you said yes to Jesus. Within two weeks, they said, you need to be water baptized. My assumption is that everybody who has been saved and came to Christ, that they got water baptized. But guess what? Assumptions are a lot like opinions. Everybody's got one, but it don't mean they're right. And so it made me think about this more. Is it possible that the reason why we might struggle with certain things is because we've never had the flesh cut away spiritually through water baptism? You say, well, how does, how does that have anything to do? Isn't Jesus enough? Yeah, he's enough. He's enough. But watch this. In the most sensitive part of a man in the Old Testament that was cut away, wonder what the most sensitive part of you spiritually needs to be cut away in your flesh. Could it be that the first thing he said was to be water baptized and we said no? It's because pride says, I don't want to look foolish. And therefore, because we said no to water baptism, we can't say no to anything else. 
Because our flesh is in control. Oh, man, pastor, I mean, I, you know, I mean, you know, water baptism is not that big deal, is it? Apparently it was. Jesus said, be water baptized. It must have been a big deal because the disciples preached it so strong. This eunuch, the first thing he asked for was not a small group. And we, you know we talk about groups a lot here, man. We want you in a group. But the first thing apparently Philip preached so hard was you need to be water baptized. And the guy never said, well, you know, that water's not so good. The idea is almost like naming the leper. Why do I have to be baptized in the Jordan? It's dirty. Can't we go to the rivers of Damascus? Can I get a chlorinated pool <laughs> or whatever? Does it really matter? So apparently it was a big deal. And why? What is the point of being baptized in water after salvation? Because of the covenant. I'm going to put some on the screen for you so you can see this. And then we're going to pray and um, guys let you know. We're going to have a baptism date coming up and then let you know so you can get water baptism if you've never been. And I'll say this about baptism. If you uh, came to Christ later, maybe you were baptized as a kid, but you never really made a full commitment to Christ, maybe you should get rebaptized. Wouldn't mean anything wrong with it. I've been baptized twice. Got baptized in the Jordan River, man. Never really thought about it. But, you know, I had never been water baptized until three years ago after I came to Christ again. It's an interesting thought. Maybe you should be rebaptized. I don't know. But the covenant reason for water baptism is this. So put this on the screen for you here, a little chart so you can see this. So this is how covenants work. So let me say a, a statement to you, and you all know the answer to this. <clears throat> Contracts are made to be, come on, you can say it. Broken. You know, say it like you know the answer. Contracts are made to be... That's the culture we live in, right? Contracts are made to be broken because contracts are made. Covenants are cut. Everybody get that, right? Contracts are made. Covenants are cut. God did not make a covenant with you. He cut a covenant with you. Understand the difference, right? A covenant is cut in blood. It's not on paper. You have paper that describes to you what happened with the covenant, but this is not. I know it says old covenant, new covenant. That's paper that describes the terms of the covenant. This is not the covenant. It's the descriptives of the covenant. The covenant that was cut with you was through the blood of Jesus. In the Old Testament was the blood of goats and bulls and calves. You understand what I'm saying, right? So this is how a covenant works. God the Father, to my left side... God the Father, he brings the words or the promises of the covenant. He's the originator, the initiator, the covenant maker. He's the keeper, the source, the first, and the beginning. It's the Father's word to us. I, my covenant to you, Abraham, will be. I will make you a great nation. As for you, you walk up before me uprightly. Abraham's like, all right, all right. What's the promise? Your nation is going to be as great as the sand on the seashore. My word, I promise you, right? I promise you. He goes on, look, the son, or the sacrifice, if you will, the sacrifice of the body, the blood, the second person, the mediator, and the one who ratifies, or he's the one who authorizes the covenant. You can't have a covenant without blood. There's got to be the shed, but without the shed blood, there is no remission of sins. So one has to be, it's either you or him. You understand? That's the severity of this. You either pay for your sins with your own blood or someone steps in the middle and pays for it for you. And that's what Jesus did. He's the son. 
He's the son, or he's the blood of the covenant. He's the son's work for us. The father's word to us, the son's work for us. And then there's the Holy Spirit. He's the executor appointed to carry out the will and the testament of the father and the son, the third person, the fulfiller of the covenant. He brings the seal of the covenant, and it's the spirit's work in us. So Abraham says, wait a minute, God, okay, you're going to make my nation as large as the sand on the seashore. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to cut a covenant with you, Abraham. So Abraham, he lays out all these little animals and stuff. And God, while Abraham falls asleep, God cuts the covenant, man. And after that, God says, well, what's the seal? The seal is your name is no longer Abram. It's going to be Abraham. So everywhere you go now, your name says, I'm the father of princes, father of many nations. Sariah's name gets changed to Sarah. Her name is the mother of princes. So everywhere they go, they go to the Amway meeting at the house. Remember that? So they go to the Amway meeting at the house, little mixer there, whatever. Hey, what's your name? I'm Abraham. Now that means nothing in our country because names don't mean anything. My name's Jody. You probably know what that means. I don't even know what it means. Nobody knows what it means. We don't keep up with this stuff. Maybe a few of you guys know what your kids' names mean because you were specific. Majority of us, names are just names. And their culture? Oh, okay. Now you got to understand, he walks in at like 100. Can I get some juice, some punch? Yeah, yeah, come on over. How you doing, Abraham? So, man, how many kids do you have? Uh, well, none. None. Oh, oh, there's no, no big I'm Just curious about why you got the name Abraham, which is like, you know, the father of many nations seems kind of weird. Your wife's name's Sarah? Uh, was it a mistake? Like, what happened? Like, why do y'all have that name? You may not get that, but for them, that would have been serious. And then he has to say, well, see, what it was is God has promised us that we're going to have a child. They spit out the punch. <laughs> what? I can't believe this. Are you kidding me? Why? Because watch. God's promise to him. The covenant was fulfilled in a sacrifice. God cut the covenant and the seal was his name. It was the seal. So what does it mean to you and I? Watch this. The circumcision of the flesh in the Old Testament. Think about it now. God's promised you, if anybody calls upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. Any man, any man, any woman, the promise is that. If you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. But you cannot be saved without what? The blood. Someone's going to have to die for you. So Jesus steps in and says, okay, now we got the blood. Promise works now. If any man calls upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved because the blood of Jesus has been sacrificed. Yeah. Where's the seal? Where's the seal? Where's your Abrahamic moment where everybody laughs at you sometimes? You did what? I got water baptized, man. Why? Well, because see, God, he promised me that if any man calls upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. Jesus shed his blood for me, so I did it because he said I ought to be baptized. And so I did it because I just love him and he's my Lord. So I said yes to him. This is all throughout the Bible. There's the promise from God the sacrifice of Jesus and the seal of the Holy Spirit. It's all throughout the Bible. You see it over and over and over again. And in the new covenant, 
the seal is, it's water baptism. It's what you do that signifies you're a believer. It doesn't get you saved. Matter of fact, if you get baptized and you don't say yes to Jesus, you're not going to heaven. That would be like going backwards. That'd be like going from right to left. Oh, well, what if we just, let's get water baptized. That'll be cool. That doesn't work. Any man calls upon the name of the Lord. Jesus died, gave his blood for us. And he says, now go. Think about the commandment he's given us. Go into all the world. Or the Bible actually says it like this. As you're going day to day, here's what you do. It doesn't mean that you have to get up and pack all your stuff and go to China. It just means as you're going throughout your day, throughout your life, make disciples. What would be the first thing you told a new convert if you got them saved? Maybe before this message you might think, you need a good church. Isn't that what we say? Now, now that you said yes to Jesus, boy, you need a good church. How many of you know that might go south real quick? Because church has got issues, man. Don't they? Like, look, don't look at us like, well, we got it all figured out. We ain't. We got issues too. Everybody, every church has issues because there's people with issues in them. But we say, go get a good church. Oh, let me give you a good book. Watch this. Let me give you a Bible and tell them to figure it out. And I was sitting there thinking, Pastor Rick and I both were talking about this, and I thought, the first thing that they did, get water baptized. No questions asked. Like, you know, yeah, but you know what? No, get water baptized. Well, I got a question about them horses in Revelation. No, 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 no. Get water baptized. Yeah, but what about that whole tithe thing? No, get water baptized, right? The very first and so I was telling the guys, I said, I'm going to make sure that our church understands and that our church knows, listen, if you've never been water baptized, you're going to get an opportunity. We're going to make sure that you have the opportunity. And listen, don't think about like, well, man, I, <clears throat> I've been a Christian for 20 years and I've never been water baptized and I don't know what people think about it. Who cares what they think about it? What's Jesus think about it? Jesus is the one, right? He's the one we're in love with. And besides that, wouldn't it be awesome if you've never been baptized to be surrounded by friends that love and care about you and cheering you on and be like, wow, yeah, they might jump in there with you. Who knows, man? It'll be fun. It'll be exciting. And God will do a work of his grace. It is not salvation, but it is a work of his grace. There's a cutting away of that flesh that wants to rule our lives. I seriously want you to do right now, I just want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. I want you to take a moment just think about this and you ask the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit what is this for me like if, if you've never been water baptized I believe the Lord would say to you right now you, you should be water baptized there is just no as, as for me it has become the thing that now I look at and say you know what everything else is all icing on the cake, but this is the first step that God asks us to do. So right where you are, <clears throat> with your eyes closed, I want to pray for you. And maybe you're here and you don't know Christ, but maybe you're thinking about the fact that the promise of God is this, that, that it, you know, he, he said, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And Jesus did shed his blood for you. Absolutely right. 
but the seal of the Spirit is that the area of baptism, you say, man, I just have never been a part of that. I'm going to pray for you, but maybe you're here and you don't know Christ. I'm going to pray for you as well. So my first prayer goes out to those of you here, if you're sitting here this morning, the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart saying you should be water baptized. You've never been water baptized. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you up right now. We're going to tell you how we're going to do it later. It's not going to be today. But if you've never been water baptized, you say, hey, Pastor Jody, that's me. I've never been water baptized, but I need to be. Or, you know what? I, I was not in fellowship with Christ. I was saved, and I, I just wasn't serving God for a while. And I need to be water. I need to be rebaptized. I just, there's something about that that speaks to my heart right now. If that's you, no one's looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you need to be baptized or rebaptized, would you simply just lift your hand and let me see it right now? Anybody where you say, hey, that's me? Thank you. Thank you. Got you. Thank you, sir. Got you as well. Thank you, hon. Got you. That's awesome. Thank you, sir. I got you in the back. Thank you, hon, as well. Amen. Amen. So we're going to tell you what to do here later, but I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see your kids. You see their hearts towards you right now. The God that's saying like they're calling out to you, this is something they need to do because they want to put you first in their life. So in Jesus' name, I pray that you give them the strength and God, as we make the opportunity available, I pray and I thank you for the celebration that we're going to have with them in the next couple of weeks. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, you say, man, I've never been saved. I don't know that I know Jesus. I need to get saved today. Then I'm going to pray for you right now. And I want you to do me a favor. The whole church will pray with you. But right now, where you are, I want you to repeat this after me. You're going to pray a prayer of faith. You're going to say it to Jesus. But we're all going to pray with you. And I want you to repeat this after me right now. Say, dear Jesus, I come before you. And I give you my heart. And I give you my life. And Jesus... I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I give you complete control of my life, of my family, and all that I have. And Lord, in Jesus' name, I will follow you in water baptism. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.